Welcome to the podcast series about our textbook, Indigenous Education in Australia, Learning and Teaching for Deadly Futures, published by Routledge. This podcast series is hosted by Marnie Shea and Rhonda Oliver. We are the editors of this book, which is a collection of chapters authored by Indigenous and non-Indigenous educators and researchers on a variety of topics on Indigenous education. We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land that this podcast is recorded on and the lands of the peoples where listeners are tuning in from today. In this podcast series, we explore the chapters with authors, providing listeners and readers of the text the opportunity to hear authors yarn about their chapters and provide further insights about some of the suggested practice implications on their topics. It's Marnie here, and today I'm yarning with my co-authors, Beth Madsen and Redden Perkins. We authored the chapter, Critical Selection of Curriculum Materials, Tools for Educators. Welcome to you both, and thanks so much for sharing your time and knowledge with us today. To start us off, would you mind introducing yourself? Who you are, who's your mob, where you're from? Yeah, thanks, Marnie. No worries. So my name's Beth Madsen. I'm a Murray PhD student here at UQ. I was a classroom teacher for five years, both in the country and in the city, and then spent some time working in non-government organisations with Indigenous young people. My PhD is looking at funding as a form of policy enactment within Indigenous education. I've recently been awarded the Fulbright Scholarship and I'm hoping to travel to Alaska soon to learn how they work with their First Nations peoples. For the last few years, I've been teaching the pre-service teacher courses here at UQ. I'm really passionate about giving educators skills and confidence to embed Indigenous perspectives in their classrooms. Thanks, Marnie. Uh, My name's Rent Perkins. I'm currently a full-time PhD student here at UQ and my thesis is looking at Indigenous teachers and why they remain in the profession. My mob, Kwantamu, from uh, North Stradbroke. So I've got uh, Kwandamooka Man, but I've also got connections with Waka Waka. My grandfather was born at Eidsfeld. And um, so looking into that part of uh, our family connections. Uh, I'm from Brisbane, born and bred in Brisbane, but I spent a lot of time in New South Wales as an adult, teaching, teaching in Aboriginal communities, uh, teaching Aboriginal studies, and then had the opportunity to come back to Brisbane to do my master's at ACU. I've had some recent experience uh, teaching as a deputy principal at a flexi school in Alice Springs, and then I I had the chance to come back here and and do a PhD at UQ. So back in Brisbane and loving it. Most people have heard my story, but you know my mob's from Daly River, Northern Territory, Wagaman through Mum, and uh, Scottish and English ancestry on Dad's side. Born in Brisbane, raised around Southeast Queensland, got really strong connections to Indigenous communities, particularly on the Sunshine Coast, on Gubby Gubby Cubby Cubby Country. I research in Indigenous education, Indigenous policy and I'm obviously one of the editors of the book. My colleagues here, Ren and Beth, are doing fantastic work in Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander education. And you did talk to that, which is our next topic. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about your teaching experience, particularly around Indigenous education? Yeah, for sure. So like I said, I started um, my teaching career out west, out in Gundawindi, which was fantastic. We had quite a large percentage of Indigenous students there. And it was out there that I really became interested or became passionate about how we embed Indigenous perspectives in our teaching. So while we had such a strong Indigenous community in the broader community of Gundawindi, we really didn't have much for our Indigenous students within the school. So I really noticed that while I was there, came back to Brisbane and saw really similar things happening in Brisbane schools. And from talking with colleagues 
I began to understand that they were really worried about embedding Indigenous perspectives in their teaching. They just didn't know how and they didn't have the confidence to do so. When I was at school, I didn't learn really anything about our mobs, culture, our history. It was all about, you know, colonial histories and, and cultures and Captain Cook discovered Australia and all that kind of stuff. And so which mystified me as a young Aboriginal boy you know, going to a school with not many other Aboriginal students. So I was a bit miffed as to why wasn't our culture being taught at school. So when I went to university at Armidale, at um, New England University, I took it upon myself to learn as much about our culture as I could and Aboriginal history. I did Aboriginal studies at university. And I think the lecturer was fairly uh, mindful that, to know that I was Aboriginal, but not to put shame on me and, and put everything on me as the only Aboriginal student in that in that subject. So I was very grateful uh, because I definitely don't know everything about you know our culture. And then I started doing some work at TAFE and teaching Aboriginal studies, you know, using that knowledge that I had built up, but also my own family and, and personal knowledge and incorporating that into, you know, what I was teaching. And I suppose I was working around that area for 15 years, uh, working throughout New South Wales and in Aboriginal communities and non-Aboriginal communities and, and teaching Aboriginal studies and, and building on that knowledge that I had. And then I had the opportunity to do some cultural awareness sessions for, you know, corporate and non-corporate bodies, which was really interesting to see people's lack of knowledge about our culture and our histories. So got a, a, a personal invested interest in wanting to build on, on that education, on Indigenous education. I have three daughters and so I believe that you know, I want to give back and, and increase or contribute to that knowledge about our culture and about our histories. And that's why I'm undertaking this PhD so I can actually contribute to that knowledge. Thanks, Ren. And as I said, lots of people have heard my story in, in other podcasts, but I'll just briefly mention that I was a classroom teacher, worked in several flexi schools and really high numbers of Indigenous young people. And so I got to implement some programs, uh, curriculum programs that were really aimed at uh, st very strongly embedding Indigenous knowledges and perspectives. And I did notice the difference that that made around engaging not just the Indigenous students, but the non-Indigenous students too. So in our chapter, we looked at the critical selection of curriculum materials and we really unpacked why it's so important in terms of the pervasiveness of deficit discourses, Indigenous knowledges and perspectives that really prevails. So can you tell us a little bit more about um, some aspects of the chapter that you'd like to emphasise to listeners? For sure. In the in the chapter, I talk about my experiences when I was in Alice Springs and what I was witnessing in the both within the school, which had a pretty much 100% Aboriginal student population, where English for most of the students was their second or third for some even their fourth language that they spoke at home. And I could see just what was in the curriculum. We were using the South Australian curriculum. What well, what was not relevant for those students? But also then as someone, you know, from Brisbane who was going to Alice Springs, I was finding out so much more about their local knowledge, you know, their traditional knowledge, their their cultural knowledge. I learnt more out there that they could impart and I could see when they shared that knowledge with me, you know, their chest stuck out and are really proud of that, their culture. And I thought well, there's a, a lot more that could be done within the curriculum to actually acknowledge that, that knowledge, those knowledges. And in the chapter leading on from that, we talk about you know, hidden histories and 
some of the the stories that we got told when we were younger and how that doesn't necessarily align with what is taught at schools. So I think giving teachers tools to find Indigenous knowledges and perspectives and embed them in their teaching is really important because a lot of the time educators haven't been taught this before. They didn't learn any of that when they were at school. So they're going out and finding this knowledge for the first time. Something that I really like about the chapter is we go through and we talk, give a couple of examples of some news sources that in, uh, that teachers can engage with. And I think that that is really helpful for educators to connect with Indigenous news and Indigenous stories from Indigenous people. And they can use that in their teaching to change their own perspectives and also hopefully their students as well. Uh, Marty, can I just build on from what Beth said? Sure. That uh, another example from when I was in Alice Springs is we took a group of students over to Sydney uh, and they went and visited and stayed uh, in a private boys' school, really high academic, high-achieving school with no Aboriginal students. So we, we took the students in and they did classes throughout the week and sat in on classes, and one of them was a science class. And after the classes, teacher came up to me and said pretty much what Beth just said, where can I get more information so I want to embed Indigenous perspectives in what I'm doing? So there was this want there from a non-Indigenous teacher who's teaching non-Indigenous students a science subject. And so that was one teacher, but I'm sure that there's many other teachers who who want to be able to embed Indigenous perspectives and Indigenous knowledges into their content uh, for all students. So there's a need, and I think that's what the chapter tries to address is those needs. Absolutely, and the creation of the YARNS tool, following existing tools that, that have been there for teachers to access, hopefully will support teachers to be able to make really good choices around the sorts of resources they're choosing to use in terms of embedding Indigenous knowledges and perspectives. Are there any additional practices that you'd like to speak to for our audience? Yeah, I think something that I often talk to pre- service teachers here at UQ and also teachers that I know in the community is just attempting to connect with the local community is going to be or should be your first point of call. Some places it's more difficult than others but connecting with community and trying to bring in local Indigenous knowledges and perspectives as much as possible would be a really great first place to start. Mm, I agree. Although our chapter specifically didn't talk to specific localised contexts, what we tried to do was give a a tool or a resource in order to be able to identify those local resources. And the localising of curriculum is really important, Beth, I agree. Just a practice that I'm sharing with pre-service teachers now who are doing Indigenous knowledges and, and histories is that when they go out into the classroom, it's really important that they're building relationships with their students and, and with their students' parents um, and in that way, they can get to know who their students are, you know, what their their cultures are, and, and incorporating those knowledges into into their what they're teaching. So, yeah, I think building those relationships is really important. That that re- relationality, and that is a, a core aspect of you know, indigenous cultures and knowledges, is is that way that we build those relationships and and you know share that that knowledge. So that's what I'm trying to you know provide those pre-service teachers but I think all teachers uh, whether they're mid-career or or experienced teachers um, there's always things that they can learn. Absolutely and so in reimagining a better future for Indigenous education I'd like to ask you what your visions are for excellence in Indigenous education. I think for me I would like the systems that we all work within as teachers and students to be a better place for our Indigenous 
students. So how can they see themselves in the curriculum? How are they given tools and opportunities to succeed and to be excellent rather than often how they're seen with a bit of a deficit discourse. Thanks, Ben. Yeah, very similar. I want to see where we we don't need a CARA through the Australian curriculum to be having a section where we're embedding Indigenous knowledges and perspectives into the curriculum. I want that to be just part of how we do business as educators, Mm. that we want educators to be leaders and that those Aboriginal knowledges and, and histories and languages are just part and parcel of how we do our jobs and that that's how all students learn because it's how it's part of our it's part of our nation and we're, we're all you know we all belong to that so and we have connections to those to those knowledges and to those stories and I, I would like it so we don't need that specific part of the Australian curriculum to tell teachers they need to do this I just want it to be second nature. Yeah, the normalising of it. Not yes. Thanks to you both for your time and knowledge today. Thanks for having us, Marnie. Yeah, thank you.